Thanks for listening to this OCRFM podcast. Head to ocrfm.org.au to find more great content and information about how to donate and support this community radio station. And welcome to the show that is sugary spiciness and everything niceness here on OCRFM 98.3 across Colwick and District 88.7 along the coast and streaming online at ocrfm.org.au. Welcome to the show, Max. How are you? Good. Good? Uh-huh. Had a good weekend? Yeah. What have you been up to? Uh, today we got, we went fishing mm-hmm. and it was the first time that my pop went on the boat with us. Ah, yeah. And he went fishing as well. That would have been fun. And, yeah, we caught 20 fish all together. Oh, wow. Yeah. Very big day. He pop caught 10 around <laughs> that. <laughs> Not bad for a f- <laughs> first day on the boat effort. Yeah. Um, so does he yeah. have the magic touch? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> You'll have to start a fishing show on OCRFM. Yeah. <laughs> And uh, so everyone else caught a few then? Uh-huh. Excellent. Well, are you all ready for school to go back? Because yeah. uh, it's the last day of the school holidays. Well, technically Friday was, but... Well, technically Friday this was. This is just yeah. a weekend. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, let's, fingers and toes crossed, that uh, the term plays out reasonably smoothly. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, I do feel for all our uh, friends and folks up in Melbourne who are about to have an extra week of school holidays mm-hmm. because they're in lockdown, mm-hmm. which is unfortunate. Yeah. But, um, yeah, hopefully everyone does the right thing between now and then. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. And, uh, well, we should uh, get the show on the road because it's going to be a big show. Uh, yeah. We've got the last uh, little treats from our yum box to get through, plus... It's a week of celebration on Afternoon Delight, so uh, let's find out what the last things in the yum box are. Radio Max, it's our final week in Brazil. Mm-hmm. What are we opening up? We're opening up the yum bag. The yum bag. Normally you're straight into this. <laughs> Feels odd to be uh, leaving it to last. Yeah. But uh, I'm sure I'm sure we'll find out why. Okay. Oh, we've got little kind of bonbon style um, caramel caramels. Yeah. yeah. So they're wrapped in silver foil. Mm-hmm. Tweaked at either end. Uh, they're both. Um, both of the things are from the same. Company. Yep. Yep. And Embarry. they're just different flavours. Mm. So we've got passion fruit mousse and yep. torta de limeo. I'm thinking that's some sort of lime. 
uh, from the fact that even though the packaging is yeah. gold, it's got a tinge of green to it. It's lime pie flavoured milk caramel. Ah, okay. And then the passion fruit on it's just passion fruit. Hmm. <laughs> Intriguing. Hey. Do you want to tell us things about them or? Uh, the passion fruit one, it's gold with orange writing and orange decorations. And the lime one, it's just gold with green writing <laughs> green and, and gold. decorations. It's got a very uh, Aussie flavour to the uh, <laughs> the packaging. Yeah. Okay, then. Well, let's find out about them, hey? Caram- mm-hmm. Caramellos and Barre. So, um, these are originally native to Asia. The, the first one we've got here, the key lime pie kind of one. Limes were first brought to Brazil by 16th century Portuguese sailors who used them to prevent scurvy on their long journey to the New World. Because, uh, you know, lots and lots of vitamin C helps to get rid of the sea sickness or sea sicknesses and diseases. Scurvy is um, quite nasty, apparently. Mm. But, uh, yeah, they try and use a lot of <coughs> vitamin C to knock it out of their system. Uh, but once in Brazil, limes were used more for appetising purposes. Uh, here, they're in a creamy lime pie known as Torta de Lameo, which is similar to the American key lime pie. This Brazilian specialty features a crumbly dough, zingy lime cream, and an airy meringue top. So, similar to what we would have as a lemon meringue pie, mm-hmm. they have a lime meringue pie. Mm-hmm. Um, the caramel's inspired by the Torta de Lameo, and uh, this is the first of two for us to have a go at. Yep. <clears throat> so uh, this particular caramel, what have we got? Sodium, it's only 2%, it's 16% sugar. Hmm. But as you said, yeah, the greeny coloured packaging on the outside. I was not expecting it to look like that. Yeah. It looks like, what do you say? Almost like um, a solid stick of bubble gum. Yeah. But white instead of yeah brownish. Often caramels are that yeah, yeah. caramel color, <laughs> light brown, tanny sort of color. Um, quite solid as well. Uh-huh. But you know, different caramels have different um, uh, not thicknesses. What's the word I'm looking for? Uh, densities, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> so you're having a bit of a chew of that. Oh man, are you. Takes a bit to <laughs> make it malleable. Uh-huh. Once you've chewed it around a little bit, flavour starts to seep out. Yep. It's a really nice mix, actually, the caramel and the lime. Uh-huh. It's not a sharp or zesty lime taste. Yeah. It's actually quite subtle. Uh-huh. I like it. Mmm, it melds together really well. Mm-hmm. I often get worried with lime-flavoured things. They can have a bit of a sting to them. Uh-huh. But, uh, no, that's nice. Yeah. Quite a subtle subtle taste, subtle flavour. Uh-huh. Anything else? Chewy. Chewy, very <laughs> chewy, yes. It'll give your, uh, give your gums a workout. Mm-hmm. Well, then, let's move over to the Caramelos Premium Mousse de Marajucuc. Ah, I don't know how to pronounce that last one. Maracuja, the passion fruit flavoured one. <laughs> um, so, Mousse de Marajuca. 
Have we talked about that before? I don't know. <laughs> I, it, I feel like I've stumbled over that before. It is widely considered the national dessert of Brazil. The mousse de marajuca contains only three ingredients. Condensed milk, cream, and maracuja, which is the Spanish word for passion fruit. Mm-hmm. Once they're combined, these simple ingredients are transformed into a refreshingly airy mousse that locals savour by the spoonful, or the nibble, because there's not much in a caramel <laughs> size. So, um, taste number two then. Again, a small caramel. Uh, this one's still 16% sugar of the uh, total this one's a 20 gram piece. Yeah, it's like a yellowy yeah. colour. Creamy yellow. Mm. Which would come from the passion fruit pulp, methinks. Mm-hmm. Again, very solid. Very chewy. <laughs> this one's harder. <laughs> it does feel harder. A lot more solid in the centre. Yeah. Lot to try and um, get your teeth through. Mm-hmm. But again, that um, very tropical taste of the passion fruit. Yeah. Mmm, that's really nice. Mm-hmm. Oh, man. the It's a very smooth caramel. It's a more intense flavour than the lime. Yeah, it is. Um... The lime one, I found, really blended well. That passion fruit one is nice, but it's got a strange aftertaste. Mm. Yeah. I feel. It does. <laughs> but um, it, it's nice, but yeah, I think I prefer the lime one, actually, over the passion fruit, which is odd. I thought it was going to be the other way around. Mm-hmm. Hmm. How about you? I like the passion fruit one. You like the passion fruit one better? Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I just don't think I'm sold on the... the str- it's a it's a lovely tropical taste that, I don't know, it just kind of, to me, uh, clashes a bit with the caramel, whereas the, the lime one seemed to blend in. But that's just my thoughts. <laughs> well then, do you want to... Uh, Try and knock on the head this final uh, couple of uh, trivia questions. Yeah. <laughs> we've, we've got a couple to go. Uh, so we asked the first few a couple of weeks ago. But uh, let's see how you go. Um, we have question number five. Brazil is the largest producer of what in the world? Sugar, coffee, orange or beans? Um... Beans? It actually didn't matter which one you answered there because they are the world's largest uh, manufacturer and producer of sugar, coffee, orange, and beans. Oh. Every <laughs> single one. Because of their very diverse climate, Brazil's agriculture is amazing. They farm quite a lot of different um, uh, products, but they are the number one producer of sugar, orange, beans, and coffee around the world. All of those products are very deeply ingrained in the national culture, none more than coffee. Often people think of Brazilian coffee, uh, coffee beans. Um, So much so that the word breakfast in Portuguese actually um, translates as café de mana, meaning morning coffee. They don't say breakfast, they say, I'm going to have my morning coffee. (laughs) Mm. Uh, Brazil's picturesque Ilha da Quamada, Ilha 
da comada. Yeah, I definitely pronounce it correctly. Um, Ila da Qualmada Grande Island is unoccupied because of what? So they've got an island. There's nothing on it. Why? It's overrun with lethal snakes. It's reserved for only filming movies. It is an active volcano, or it's surrounded by sharks. It's an active volcano. Ooh, not quite. It is overrun with lethal snakes. The 100-acre island is dubbed Snake Island. Uh, It has approximately 430,000 different snakes on it. Uh, As a result, approximately zero humans live there. (laughs) Only researchers are allowed to access, mostly so they can observe the extremely venomous golden lancehead viper, which is found exclusively on the island. So, uh, yeah, I don't think I'll be visiting. Yeah, no thanks. <laughs> um, Brazil is home to the world's largest what? Highway, fern, cashew tree, or preschool? Brazil is the home to the world's largest highway, fern, cashew tree, or preschool? Highway? No, not that one. Aww. It is the world's largest cashew tree. Oh. This sprawling tree even has its own name. The Cashew of Parangi. It is located on the northeast corner of Brazil and is over a thousand years old, covering about two acres. That is a big tree. Um, That's larger than an American football field, actually. So uh, this tremendous tree produces over 60,000 cashew fruits every year. Wow. That is nuts. Quite literally. Um, In 2016, uh, to honour the Rio Olympics, a Brazilian artist created what? The world's largest street mural, the world's heaviest sculpture, the world's tiniest self-portrait, or the world's longest comic book. What did a Brazilian artist create for the 2016 Rio Olympics? um, World's smallest um, self-portrait. No, it's actually the world's largest street mural. Mm. So Brazilian artist Eduardo Cobra created a mural that commemorates the Rio Olympics. It was the first Olympic Games ever held in South America. It's called the Todos Somos Um, which translates as We Are One, and features diverse people from five different cultures spanning over 560 feet of street. Wow. Uh, completing the creation took an enthusiastic team of 50 people, two months, 500 gallons of paint, and 2,800 cans of spray paint. <laughs> Last question. Brazil's Emus National Park is known for its what? Its lethal flowers, its pink palm trees, its featherless flightless birds, or its glowing termite mounds? What is the Emus National Park best known for? Lethal flowers, pink palm trees, featherless flightless birds, or glowing termite mounds? Pink palm trees? Aww. No, well, do you think, because we had the pink dolphins in the, the Brazilian uh, <laughs> river, no, it is actually glowing termite mounds. Mm-hmm. But these are real things. So termites in the Emus National Park construct these 20 feet tall... Um, termite mounds, but they're not the only ones that take up residence in there. The mounds are very popular nesting sites for the Pyrophorus nictefanus, which are the headlight beetles. 
Mm-hmm. As their name suggests, these insects are known for their bright green glow. So come night time, the termite mounds turn into a magical glittering uh, spectacle. Cool. That is pretty dang cool indeed. A cool place I don't really want to go because it's full of termites. Full of termites, <laughs> yeah. But there you go. That is uh, Brazil all rounded off. Cool. Would you like a clue to next month's box? Mm. Yeah. <laughs> Our next destinations are famously cheery. How come, you ask? Well, we have a theory. It's not the colourful skies or castles. It's the incredible yums. With cookie dough and licorice, how could anyone be glum? Did you say worlds? Hmm. So, so the next destinations are the famously destinations. famously cheery. How come, you ask? Here is the theory. It's not the colourful skies or castles. It's the incredible yums. With cookie dough and licorice... How could anyone be glum? Is there more than one because it says place? Destinations. Destinations. Oh, well, if it's what I'm thinking, it would be one specific place. There is a mm. very famous uh, kind of history of licorice from a specific country mm. that I would be thinking. Don't know. Hmm. Known for its salty licorice. We'll have to wait till next week to find out. But we'll pop that clue up on the uh, Afternoon Delight Facebook page for people to have a bit of a guess at. And uh, for now, we'll take a quick break and then we'll start celebrating. Okay, Max, it is time for us to start celebrating. We uh, hinted at what special celebration happened this week on the uh, 7th of July. Yeah. Do you remember what special uh, day it was on... What day was that? <laughs> Tuesday? Yes. What was it? World Chocolate Day. World Chocolate Day. So, uh, did you celebrate? Yeah. Or did you wait, wait until today? You did we celebrate. Went, uh-huh. How did you celebrate World Chocolate Day? We went to um, the shops and brought a block of Daryl chocolate each uh-huh. because of the um, competition thing. Oh, there's a competition. Yeah. What be the competition? I'm pretty sure it was years worth of Daryl chocolate. <laughs> That's a pretty good prize. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Um, oh, cool. We'll have to uh, we'll have to look into that one. Uh-huh. But um, yeah, so it was World Chocolate Day. I uh, I had a bit of a nibble on some chocolate, and uh, obviously the rest of the uh, Southwest Victoria did as well because I was trying to track down a certain type of chocolate which we had trouble oh. with last week. Yeah, I managed to buy the last piece oh. <laughs> around. So we'll talk about that when we do our head to head. But uh, what can you tell me about chocolate? Uh, comes in like lots of different flavours, like yes. five flavours. Mm-hmm. And what do you know why there's different flavours of chocolate or how it works? I uh, don't know. <laughs> okay, well, we'll uh, we will definitely talk a bit uh, about that. But uh, so for the uninitiated, chocolate is uh, the preparation of roasted. Cacao, cacao seeds. Now, I had to post a thing up on um, the Afternoon Delight Facebook page 
Coco and Coco, even though they're spelt differently and they have different pronunciations, they mean kind of the same thing. So Coco seeds are C-A-C-A-O. So I've always pronounced that Cacao. Cacao? I don't know. But they come from the cocoa tree. Very confusing. But uh, the seeds can then be roasted and crushed up into a liquid, a paste, or a block. And that's how you make your basic chocolate. The earliest signs of uh, the use is the Olmec sites in Mexico's post-colonial territories. Um, They suggested that uh, chocolate was first used in beverage form, so they would drink the chocolate juice, kind of. So they'd have very, very early hot chocolates. Milk wasn't Mm. added, so it was kind of watery chocolate uh, Mm. drinks. And it became so prized that uh, they used that instead of money. They would trade in chocolate. So Mayans and Aztecs and um, Mesopotamians would uh, trade chocolate seeds, cocoa seeds, because, um, yeah, they valued it so much. Um, Chocolate has been prepared as a drink for nearly all of history. Uh, On the Pacific coast of Mexico, there is an archaeological site that has evidence of um, hot chocolate beverages, like from ye olde times, like 1750 BC sort of times. The residue on the vessels were found to um, indicate the initial use of cocoa, not simply as the beverage, but also some white pulp from the cocoa seed, which was used to ferment sugar to make alcoholic beverages as well. So they were using all sorts of different parts of the cocoa seed to create different things they could drink. Mm-hmm. Um, then the Mayan and Aztecs um, started to associate the seeds with human sacrifice, and the chocolate drink specifically represented human blood. So um, uh, there's a Spanish uh, chronicler who described a chocolate drink he had seen um, in 1928 mixed with ashiote, which is a, uh, a, diff- a native shrub from South America, and it leaves kind of a red foam on the drink, so it, it looks like you're drinking blood, but it mm-hmm. tastes like chocolate. <laughs> mm-hmm. And so they would, you know, perform rituals and ceremonies and stuff using this red drink. <laughs> um, up until the 16th century, no European had ever heard of this popular drink from Central Americas. Uh, Christopher Columbus and his son Ferdinand encountered the cocoa bean on one of their missions uh, to the Americas on the 15th of August, 1502. He and his crew seized a large native canoe that had um, lots of beans in it that were being traded. So Spanish conquistador Hernan Cortes may have been the very first European to ever encounter it as the frothy drink. They weren't acquainted to the taste, so they thought it tasted terrible. <laughs> they, they didn't understand the benefits of the, uh, the chocolate drink. So he wrote in his diary, loathsome to such as I'm not acquainted with it, having a scum or froth that is very unpleasant to the taste. Yet it is a drink very much esteemed amongst these Indians, where they feast as noble men who pass through their country. So, um, yeah, he couldn't quite understand why why they valued chocolate so much. Little did he know. (laughs) 
The early Aztecs also added chili to their chocolate drinks mm. to give it a bit of spice. And they um, used it almost as a medicine to calm your stomach <laughs> by adding hot, fiery chili and chocolate. I thought it would be the other way around. Well, you know, these are early days. <laughs> there's, there's no medical science and doctors to back things up. So by 1662, Pope Alexander had declared that religious fasts were not broken if you were consuming a chocolate drink. By then, uh, chocolate kind of travelled from Spain to Austria and it took the world by craze. Um, The slave market between the 1600s and the 1800s saw cocoa beans um, being harvested in a large scale. They would use slaves to pick it for them. Cocoa plantations spread as the English, Dutch and French colonised and planted uh, lots and lots of cocoa plantations. With the depletion of Mesoamerican workers, largely to different diseases, cocoa production was often the work of very poor wage labourers and African slaves. They would use wind-powered or horse-drawn mills to speed up production, and heating the working areas um, started in France in 1732, which helped to extract the beans Mm -hmm. make it easier because they were shelling pods and stuff like that Mm. new processes that sped up the production of chocolate emerged in the industrial revolution in 1815 dutch chemist conrad van houten introduced alkaline salts to the chocolate to reduce the bitterness of the taste making it a little sweeter a few years after that he created a press to remove the natural fat which we call cocoa butter from the chocolate liquid And uh, that made chocolate both cheaper to produce and more consistent in quality. So you weren't kind of guessing each time when you were squashing your stuff, trying to balance out the taste. So it was known as Dutch chocolate because the machine um, that pressed the chocolate became instrumental in the transformation of the chocolate into a solid form. And English chocolatier Joseph Fry then discovered a way to make the chocolate mouldable when he mixed the ingredients with cocoa powder and sugar melted into cocoa butter. And that's pretty much what they do these days to make uh, different blocks of chocolate. Mm -hmm. His chocolate factory, Fries of Bristol, began mass-producing chocolate bars. It was launched in 1866, and the new treat became very, very popular. Uh, Milk had sometimes been used as an addition to chocolate beverages, But in 1875, Swiss chocolatier Daniel Peter invented milk chocolate by mixing in powdered milk. Mm. In uh, 1879, the texture and chase of chocolate was further improved when Rudolf Lindt invented the conching machine. Now, we've talked a little bit about conching on the show before. Do you remember much about it? No. It's a, a surface scraper that um, evenly distributes the cocoa butter and kind of polishes the chocolate um, through friction and heat. And so um, there's lots of different types of conch machines, but uh, this particular invention um, made chocolate production schmicko. (laughs) Besides Nestle, a number of other notable chocolate companies had their start in the late 19th and early 20th centuries. Uh, We had Roundtrees of York who began producing chocolate in 1862. Cadbury was manufacturing chocolate in England by 1868. And in 1875, uh, the first Easter egg 
was created by Cadbury's. Mm. They uh, developed the um, concept from pure cocoa butter that could be moulded into a smooth shape. Then in 1893, Milton Hershey purchased chocolate processing equipment at the World's um, Exposition in Chicago and soon began the career of the Hershey's chocolate with chocolate-coated caramels. Mm. So they're kind of your uh, real-world Willy Wonkers, all those people that uh, started up some very famous chocolate factories. Um, The Baker Chocolate Company is the oldest producer of chocolate in America. Uh, Dr. James Baker and John Hannon founded the company in Bristol in 1765, and they were using cocoa beans from the West Indies to build their chocolate business. In 1946, white chocolate was first introduced into the US. Um, now, what do we know about white chocolate, Max? It's not actually chocolate. <laughs> yeah, it's it is it's chocolate without being chocolate. So it can be made from cocoa butter um, with sugar and milk solids, but because white chocolate doesn't contain cocoa solids, which are found in other types of chocolate, um, it's sometimes classed as not being a chocolate. Um, it's a very pale ivory colour, and it's more cocoa butter than cocoa solid. So the melting point of cocoa butter, which is the only cocoa bean component of white chocolate, is high enough to keep it solid at room temperature, um, like dark chocolate or milk chocolate. But um, yeah, it, it still it still melts pretty quickly. Yeah. White chocolate doesn't have any of that cocoa solid though. So, there are different varieties of chocolate out there. Um, Milk chocolate contains the milk powder, as we said. It was uh, invented reasonably early on. White chocolate doesn't contain cocoa solids. So, um, in 2002, the US Food and Drug Administration established a standard for what is classified as white chocolate. Uh, It must be made from cocoa fat, milk solid, Uh, some form of carbohydrate sweeter and other safe and suitable ingredients, but it is not allowed to contain any cocoa solid. So once it contains any cocoa solid, it becomes classed as milk chocolate. There's dark chocolate, which is produced by adding um, just fat and sugar to the cocoa mixture, and they call that sweet chocolate by classification. Um, A higher amount of cocoa solids means that chocolate's going to taste more and more bitter. So semi-sweet chocolate has a low sugar content. Bittersweet chocolate um, has kind of a mid-range. And bitter chocolate has very high content of cocoa solid. Yeah. Now, something that has come around recently, and people have been questioning whether or not it, uh, it is real or not, is ruby chocolate. It is real. Yeah. It's a variety of chocolate was introduced in 2017, and people have been questioning whether or not it's just pink-coloured white chocolate. Yeah. So, yeah, what do you know about it? Do you remember? It's got a different taste. It does have a different taste. Yeah. So it's been in development since 2004, but uh, was kind of introduced to the marketplace uh, in 2017. It is marketed as the fourth type of chocolate and it's notable because it's naturally pink in colour. 
Um, it has a taste that is described as slightly sweet and sour, and the reason that it co- it has that natural pink colour is because of the ruby bean that it comes from. So, um, yeah, Barry Calibot, a Belgian-Swiss cocoa company, um, is the one that kind of produced it all or, or created it. Yeah. So it's a special bean... Um, that was grown specifically to to be pink in colour. Mm. So they were an existing botanical cocoa bean variety that has just the right attributes to be processed into ruby chocolate. Uh, it's a trade secret as to how it's produced, though. So you have to buy, um, buy it almost already made up from the Swiss chocolatier. You can't make your own yet. No one knows the magic secret. But, um, yeah, it is cocoa-derived material from unfermented cocoa beans that become red or purple after um, defatting them. So there you go. There are four types of chocolate officially now. White, Isn't it dark, five? milk, and ruby. What's the fifth one? Caramel. Well, see now, caramel is an interesting one. Um, it's sometimes classed as gold chocolate. Mm. And... It's an in-betweeny sort of thing, because caramel is technically a white chocolate. We will talk a bit more about it, but we're going to take a quick break. We're back with our sweetest tune. But uh, yeah, keep sharing your your chocolate fun facts and vigors, or if you've got uh, any chocolate memories that you'd like to share, feel free to share those too, 0439 329713. And yeah, we will talk about caramel very shortly. On Afternoon Delight, it is time for us to share our sweetest tune, which today is a song by Australia's pop princess, Kylie Minogue. Mm-hmm. There are a few chocolate songs out there. We were looking through the uh, the OCRFM archives here. We've got Sweet Like Chocolate, Chocolate Salty Balls. Um, there's quite a few that are just called chocolate. Um but the one that uh, you've gone for is a song by Kylie Minogue from her ninth studio album, Body Language. It was written and produced by Johnny Douglas and Karen Poole. And, um, yeah, it's kind of a ballad where chocolate is used as a simile to describe Minogue's obsession with love. There's something about chocolate and love songs that just go hand in hand. It's a Valentine's-y sort of thing, methinks. But the uh, the descriptions that people use for chocolate and uh, falling in love can often be one and the same. <laughs> so, let's take a spin. This is Colleen Minogue. <laughs> On Afternoon Delight, that there is Kylie Minogue with Chocolate. Yeah. A very <laughs> chocolatey song. Uh-huh. Uh, it is time for us now to go head to head to head to head to head with uh, these chocolatey treats that you've been eyeing off. Yeah. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, strap yourselves in for this week's great confectionery debate as we pit two similar lollies against each other to decide an overall champion. 
Well, it's not just two things that are going head to head this week. We're we're going with the, as you said before, the five. Yeah. Even though technically there's just four. Yeah. So we will explain that a little bit later. Do you want to uh, go less and less and less, uh, Coco, or more and more and more? Less and less and less. Less and less. So <laughs> we'll start with the dark then. Now, we've um, to celebrate uh, World Chocolate Day, we've gone with um, different chocolate companies for each bar so that, uh, you know, we're spreading the love around. Uh, so Frey Chocolate, we talked about them before. Um, they are the number one Swiss chocolatiers. Mm-hmm. And we've gone with extra dark bittersweet chocolate from them. What's the percentage? 85%. So this is almost <laughs> getting to being just a solid block of cocoa. Mm-hmm. So for over 125 years, Frey have been dedicated to crafting the finest Swiss chocolate, they tell us here on the uh, packaging. Uh, what do you notice about the Swiss chocolate compared to what we're used to with Cadbury? It comes in a box, mm-hmm. and then when you open the box, it comes in a tinfoil wrapper. Yes, and it's also extremely thin. Oh, yeah. Very light and delicate. There we go. Um, so, I don't know if you've got your magic measuring stick there, Max, but I would be guessing this would be one centimetre thick, if that. <laughs> very, very thin. Uh, where's centimetres? <laughs> so the block itself is 100 grams. But, um, yeah, very thin. It's, almost, it's a very, very dark brown, almost a black brown colour. Not even a centimetre. Not even a centimetre thick, yeah. But it's quarter. No, it's third. A third? Yeah. Now, dark chocolate, as we've said before on the show, is extremely good for you. Mm-hmm. Um... There's lots of health benefits to uh, the cocoa content in dark chocolate, but again, in moderation. <laughs> now, you're normally a dark chocolate fan, Max, but you've turned your nose up at that. Depends what's in it. <laughs> straight dark chocolate? No. Nah. This is a straight dark chocolate. You'd, you'd use this more for baking than for uh, chomping down on. Yep. So, yeah, very bittersweet. Mm-hmm. Oh, man. Yuck, yuck. So, uh, dark chocolate is typically formed from a chocolate liqueur that that is then um, uh, turned into a solid bar. Yum, 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 yum. Very bitter. Uh Uh-huh. Very little um, sugar in that. So, in uh, two square serves, so about 20 grams, you've only got 2.6 grams of sugar. Blech. (laughs) So it's not very sweet at all. Let's move on then to Daryl Lee, who again, um, well-known Australian chocolatier Uh and candy company. Um, So Daryl Lee is 100% sustainably sourced um, chocolate and cocoa. And they work with uh, farmers from around Australia. I like their packaging. Yeah, again, it's um, kind of a... A paper foil. Yeah. Um, which, yeah, so this is the smooth and creamy special melt-in-your-mouth recipe, which was voted product of the year according to their 2020 consumer survey. Mm. But um, 170-gram block uh, for a 25-gram serve, you're going to get 13.9 grams of sugar in the... In the Mm. Per serve. What's your thoughts compared to the dark chocolate? 
much better. <laughs> much better, not much better. Mm. Um, Size-wise, each cube of chocolate is also thicker. No, that is a centimetre. Yeah. <laughs> Still hard. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Very chumpy, chewy, but uh, very smooth and creamy, though. Yeah. So it has a higher quantity of both um, milk solids and uh, sugar. 31% cocoa solids and 24% milk solid. There you go. Mm. As compared to, uh, yeah, this Swiss one, which has very little solid. It's 85% cocoa solid. <laughs> okay. Next up, we'll go the white chocolate. Yeah. So this is lint chocolate. Again, very famous for their uh, chocolate since 1845. Yeah. Um, again, comes in a box. Something about... Uh, Chocolate Outside Australia, they like boxing stuff up and putting it in uh, tin foil. Tin foil packaging on the inside. So, uh, white chocolate, very smooth, melty fill- filling. Uh-huh. Uh, sugar, cocoa, vegetable fat, etc. For your average serving size of 22 grams, you're only going to get 9.5 grams of sugar. A little bit less sugar than the um, milk chocolate. Okay. Um, again, it should be very smooth and creamy though. Yeah. Well, actually, that's got a creamy in middle center. Yeah, it's, I thought it was solid all the way through, but no, <laughs> it's a milk chocolate shell and a melt in your mouth white center. Yeah, very nice. Yep. How are you comparing that between the? How are you ranking them? Um, we haven't really done that yet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I like the. White chocolate the most, then the milk chocolate, then the dark chocolate. Yep. Okay. We'll have to quickly skedaddle to the next one, which is caramel. Yeah. Now, this is an in-between chocolate. Yeah. So, yeah. it's not really a, a new chocolate flavour. It's a version of white chocolate. Yeah. So, it is a caramelised white chocolate, which means that they cook the sugar uh, more... Before they start adding the cocoa solids. Yeah. Sorry, no, there's no cocoa solid because it's white chocolate. Yeah. It's <laughs> cream milk. Before they add the cocoa butter. Sorry. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> this is 25 gram serving size recommendation. What are you thinking? If the milk chocolate was 13 grams, white chocolate was 9, where are you placing the caramel? Do you, as a guess for sugars. Um, in between them? Mm-hmm. You'd think that. It's actually more. Oh. 14.5 <laughs> grams of sugar. Oh. Compared to the, um, to the milk chocolate. So, and, it, and that comes from that caramelisation. Mm. Yeah. But still, very, very tasty. <laughs> now, the last one. Now, I was telling you off-air the story of this, uh, the journey of this little critter. Uh-huh. I was searching high and low last week, couldn't find, they'd all run out. So I went back this week, and um, they're not producing as much ruby chocolate due to the COVID at the moment. People mm-hmm. aren't travelling around, which is good. There's less tourists, um, 
But that also then means <laughs> that there's not as much ruby chocolate being produced. Mm. So when I went to our local chocolatierie here at In Forest, um, I, I was able to get a chocolate frog made out of ruby chocolate. And it was the last one they had. Mm. So um, uh, they normally do have um, ruby blocks of chocolate. Mm-hmm. They're very hard to break up. <laughs> because it's a frog. Because it's a frog. You're not meant to break up a frog. <laughs> You're meant to just eat it all. Mm-hmm. Um, but what, what's your thoughts when you're munching down on this ruby chocolate frog? If you grab it a little bit, mm-hmm. you can barely taste it. Yep. But when you take a big bite, you can definitely taste it. Taste the difference? Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. So compared to the smooth, milky taste of milk chocolate or the white chocolate, this does have a different taste. Mm-hmm. There's, um, it's not, again, like a sharp taste. It is so hard to categorise. Is it like strawberry? No. No. Well, because of the the pink colour, you'd you'd want it to be strawberry. Mm. But it's not. It's it's something else. It's very hard to put your finger on why it tastes different. Mm. But uh, it's a sweet, sour taste. Yeah. Yeah. But um, anything else we can tell about this magical chocolate that uh, is completely different to anything else we've ever tasted before? Oh, no. How are you going to rank your your magic five? Um, white chocolate and caramel. Mm. Caramel, yeah. Yeah, they're both on the top. Yep. And then milk chocolate, mm-hmm. then this, and then dark chocolate. <laughs> I'm probably going to put. I don't know how I'd go with a whole block <laughs> of, yeah. of ruby chocolate, but I'm thinking, yeah. Even though caramel can white chocolate are technically the same thing probably putting caramel ruby chocolate milk chocolate white chocolate dark chocolate yeah as my ranking golly gosh we're almost out of time we'll be back after this very short break to uh, unwrap the kinder surprise On Afternoon Delight, it is time for us to open up this week's Kinder Surprise. Uh, we've run out of time to share a recipe, but on the Afternoon Delight Facebook page, we have shared a link that has over 2,500 chocolate recipes. Mm-hmm. So feel free to choose at your own uh, leisure. Right. Monkeys. Monkeys. They're the linking monkeys again. So mm-hmm. their tails and their arms are curved. Yep. So that you can uh, hold on to them. Uh, thank you to those people who've already jumped on the Afternoon Delight Facebook page to share their love of uh, chocolate this week. Uh, we've put up our rankings of what we think the, uh, even though there's four, the five different chocolates mm-hmm. <laughs> are. But uh, Marie says her favourite is the Daryl Lee Raspberry Licorice Milk Chocolate Block. See, we didn't even get time to talk about that. Things that you add to chocolate. Yeah. 
Uh, Megan says Whittaker's Coconut Bar is her absolute favourite, followed closely by Caramilk. <laughs> and uh, James was very excited that we were going to be looking at pink chocolate today, the ruby chocolate. Hopefully we've uh, hit the mark with ruby chocolate. We'll post a link up um, on the Afternoon Delight Facebook page about ruby chocolate because, again, some people dispute that it's a different type, but I tell you what, it very much does have a different flavour. Yeah. So, yeah. Anywho, that's it from us. Thanks for uh, coming on our chocolatey journey today to celebrate World Chocolate Day this week. Yep. Stick around for unconventional ramblings, playing all your song requests this afternoon. But yep. uh, as always, if you want to get in contact with the show, you can head to the Afternoon Delight Facebook page or email lolly at ocrfm.org.au. We'll catch you next week from three. Yeah. Bye. See ya. always been when it's right, it's right. Why wait until the middle of a cold, dark night? When everything's a little clear in the light of day. And you know the night is always gonna be there anyway. Thinking of you's working up my appetite. Looking forward to a little afternoon delight. Rubbing sticks and stones together makes the sparks ignite And the thought of loving you is getting so exciting Skyrockets in flight oh, I